Awesome. Um, whom of you have been following the, the Ephesians, reading through Ephesians, either through the reading plan or just on your own? Yes, come on. <laughs> I know there's more of you. Yeah, you're allowed to raise your hand in church, and um, you won't always get a chocolate, but the, um, I really enjoy the book of Ephesians a lot. Whom of you, if you look at your own life, you're like, I'm not where I want to be? Anyone like that? All right. Whom of you are also at a place where you say, praise Jesus, I'm not where I used to be? All right. That's also a good thing, right? Now, I think part of this story through the book of Ephesians is where we get to discover more of God, but we also get to discover more of who we are, more of why God has created us and what He has called us for. Um, and just going through this book, we get to discover, like Marielle said, so much about the gospel. And the gospel is not just the, the story that many of us maybe grew up with where, remember, Jesus died on the cross, but He rose again, and He is now in heaven, and one day you will get to be with Him, and that's the gospel. No, the gospel is an incredible mystery that you and I will get to discover um, and almost see unfold in our own lives for the rest of our lives until we see Him face to face when Jesus returns in His full glory and we get to reign with Him forever. And everyone said? Good. If you said anything else... Um, it would have been weird, but it's okay. Um, so Ephesians, the incredible story of God, us, and the church. And I want to start with a verse in chapter 3, verse 10. It says, His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. I'll read it again. God's intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God, should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this incredible letter, Lord, to the church in Ephesus. We thank you, Father, just for the incredible ministry of the gospel that we get to discover from these letters. And we want to thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the one that makes these letters come alive in our hearts. Apart from you, Holy Spirit, we cannot know the gospel. Apart from you, we cannot know the Father. Apart from you, all of this is just words on paper, but you make it come alive. And I pray that tonight you'll make it come alive in our hearts. We thank you, Lord, that we can gather together as believers. We thank you, Lord, that your word says where two or three or more, two or more are gathered in your name, there you are. So we thank you that your presence is here with us tonight and that you have a message that you want to minister into our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So... Last week, Marielle had an incredible message where she um, had a jug of water and a glass. Um, and if you missed it, I really am sorry. There was a technical difficulty and the sermon didn't record. But it's really okay because you have the Bible and the Holy Spirit. Okay, everyone say amen again. All right, so you can go and sit on chapter 2 and ask the Holy Spirit to show you whatever it was that Marielle taught. Uh, all right, and then we'll see how good you guys can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. But... Tonight we're going into chapter 3, and chapter 3 is like a pivotal space, space in, in this book, um, where we've now unlocked chapter 1, and we've read about the, or the revelation of God that is made known to us. Chapter 2 is all about us understanding the gospel and from where God has come to save us. And now here in chapter 3, we find ourselves in a pivotal space for us to actually understand the rest of the book, so chapter 4, 5, and 6, but... Ephesians is an incredible story that also tells us about who we are as Christians. So understanding chapter 3 in context of 1 and 2 sets up for us to really understand chapter 4, 5, and 6. 
So do you guys get that this is important? Okay, that's the goal. <laughs> if I've said that, then half of my sermon is done, and we can almost go home. But what we'll see in Ephesians is a little bit of a roadmap, and you can show the roadmap. So there's obviously a lot. You can spend the rest of your life discovering Ephesians. Throughout this series, we're focusing on a couple of things. So chapter 1, the revelation of God, that there's a space where God makes himself known to us. So any revelation that you have of who God is, any revelation that you have of who Jesus is and what he has done is because God orchestrated it that way. It was by his choice that you and I can get to know him. Chapter 2, the gospel, who you were, why you needed to be saved, but also why that is such an incredible, incredible story where God has made us alive in Christ. So the theme of being in Christ came through very strong in chapter 2. Then chapter 3, we'll be focusing on that one space in verse 10, that through the church, God has this master plan. Chapter 4, there's a place where now in this collection where God works in us. Now, we all said that we are not where we want to be, but we're thankful that we are not where we used to be. But God is going to work in us, and we need to understand that the gospel has a plan for your life. Now, some of you are very aware of the place where God has saved you, and you're like, God, I am in. <laughs> as long as I don't have to go back to where I was, I'm in for whatever lies ahead. Work in me as much as you can, because I knew where I was before you met me. So there's an inner working that takes place in our lives. There's a growth. There's a maturity. Whom of you know people that are sometimes insecure? Okay. Sometimes they reveal themselves in the mirror. <laughs> so we all know insecure people, ourselves included, and sometimes we act from a space of insecurity, and often that brings a lot of hurt and heartache to ourselves but also people around us. Whom of you do not want to stay there for the rest of your life? All right. There's good news in chapter 4. Chapter 5, there's an outer working, so not just does God work in us, but now God starts to work through us, through our relationship. There's a way that we behave that reveals something about this marvelous gospel that the world also gets to see. And then chapter 6, we're in a spiritual battle. There's a war happening around us as we sit here this late afternoon. Now, whether you believe in a spiritual realm and the battle in the spirit that's taking place, it's there. Um, and you and I get to participate in it. We're not just um, almost like pawns that God just moves around and we have this passive part to play. God has called us as believers to play an active part in the spiritual battle that's taking place around us right now. So it all builds up to there. You guys, whom of you are now going to go and read Ephesians? Okay, good. Richard, you've read it before. So, but now in the story of Ephesians, if we go through the book, so Ephesians chapter 1, Paul introduces the letter, he introduces himself, um, and then chapter 2, he basically just continues to expand on the gospel, and then in verse 11, it says, therefore. So we've spoken about this. You don't have to page with me through your book, but if you are there, it's fine. Whenever you see the word therefore, you ask, what is it? Therefore. All right, meaning it's going back to something. So it's pointing your attention to what has been said, what has been done, what has been accomplished. Therefore, he goes on to say some incredible stuff. Then chapter 3 starts, for this reason. Now, if you just read chapter 3 and you start like, for this reason, for what reason? Okay, I need to go back to chapter 1 and chapter 2 to understand for this reason. Then chapter 4 starts with, I, therefore. <laughs> and you ask, what is it? Therefore, all right? 
Because you can't read these chapters in isolation from the whole story. Then chapter 5, it continues to speak about just the outer workings. Um, and then chapter 5 starts with, therefore. And then chapter 6, it kind of speaks about children and parents. And then it ends with uh, verse 10, and it says, finally. So he brings all of this to a conclusion. Now, the whole book of Ephesians is connected. And there are definitely parts in chapter 4, 5, and 6 that when you read it and you understand it, you're like, God, I want that in my life. I want you to grow me up so that I'm no, I'm no longer immature, where Ephesians 4 says that we're no longer immature, being tossed to and fro this way and that by every wind, and, wind of doctrine and every idea that's out there and every wave of emotion. You get to stand firm. And you should say, hallelujah, that's possible. <laughs> But there's parts in chapter 4, 5, and 6 that when you understand it, you're like, God, I want this. But unless we understand 1, 2, and 3, then 4, 5, and 6 doesn't really make a lot of sense. Because it's not, we cannot read the Bible, and we cannot specifically the book of Ephesians, read it or apply it into our lives in isolation. You cannot take the promises from chapter 4 apart from understanding and applying the things that God has spoken about in chapter 1, 2, and 3. Does it make sense? Good. Okay. Let me just take a sip of water. So, chapter 3, verse 8. We'll read a little bit of a portion from here, and then there's something that I want us to look into tonight that speaks about the church. All right? Where are you tonight? Is this the church? Yes. Is only this the church? No. Good. So, verse 8. So Paul says, to me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. That's just five verses, <laughs> but it's a lot. So there's something that Paul touches on and he says that now the intent is that the manifold wisdom of God, the, the many-faceted, the many-colored wisdom of God, is revealed to the principalities and powers in the heavenly realms. So there's a role that we as the church play to make the message of God's wisdom clear to the spiritual realm, which is quite incredible. It means that there's angels who are waiting for us to discover the gospel so that they themselves can understand it and see it, which is quite cool. But we're not going to focus on that. God's eternal plan from the beginning of creation, His many, manifold wisdom, His plan throughout all the ages. You see, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then we read in Genesis 3 that sin entered into the world, um, and this falling away happened where man was separated from their original identity, the original purpose, the original relationship that they were created for with God. But from the beginning of time, the Bible says that even before the world was formed, God already knew that He would send His Son. It wasn't an afterthought. Man didn't sin, and then God was like, oh my word, what do we do now? Before the foundation of the world, this was already in place. And God was orchestrating His incredible plan for the world from the beginning of time. And God has this agenda. 
that the most amount of people possible will inherit eternal life, will be saved. That's God's plan. The Bible says that God has placed each and every single one of us within the boundaries that He has set out for us. The specific time that you were born, the specific place where God has placed you is part of this. Now, many of you say, I wish I was born in Europe so that I can have a European passport, right? There's merit to it. (laughs) But it wasn't part of God's manifold wisdom. Why? Because He has eternity in mind. When God thought about you, when God created you, when He formed you, He had eternity in mind. And His manifold wisdom has been at place since the beginning of time for the eternal purposes which He set forth so that at the end of time, the most amount of people possible will get to be saved. Now that should cause you to be happy if you've experienced salvation yourself. If you have people in your life who do not know Jesus and you see the brokenness, not just now, but knowing that there awaits an eternal brokenness, there should be a joy in your heart that says, God has made a plan for the most amount of people possible to be saved. And then it says that this manifold wisdom of God is made known through, you guys know the answer, through, 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 we can keep going all night, guys. Louder for the people at the back. Through, come on, through the church. You see, the church has a significant role to play in God's eternal plans and purposes. We have a saying where we say church is more than a building and it's more than a Sunday. It's much more than that. There's a space where God has positioned His church to play a significant role in how the end times will play out, in what, will, what things will look like as we go forward. The church has an incredible role to play. If you go to the next slide. So I want us to focus on this phrase for a bit. So it says, you are added into the body. Now when it speaks to the bo- about the body, it says the body of Christ. All right? The church. The church is the body of Christ. You are added into the body. And we've bolded that first part, you. Say me. You've been added to the body. You've been added to the body. Friend, God has added you to His body. Now, maybe that isn't so incredible to you, but I want to remind you, Ephesians 2 verse 1, and you, He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. You who were unholy and unrighteous and full of sin, full of darkness, lovers of that which is evil, God has made part of His body. Paul goes on in Ephesians 2, verse 11 to 13, Therefore remember that you were Gentiles in the flesh, and that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise. And we'll get to the covenant later, chapter 5. But then he says this, Having no hope and without God in this world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Friends, you and I were without God and without hope in this world. And if if you still have a diminished view of the depth of your sinfulness, your brokenness, how your life was outside of knowing Jesus, then when God says to you, hey, I'm making you part of myself, I'm making you part of my body, nah, that's nice. (laughs) You see, but let's say you're an orphan. 
and there's a family that fosters you over holidays. And when you visit them over holidays, they treat you as their own. So they welcome you in. Um, they don't treat you any differently to their own children. But at the end of the holiday, you go back to the orphanage. And you have this, not so, there's an appreciation, but obviously you know it's only temporary. And then afterwards, that appreciation goes into a longing, like a desire, a desperation to say, I wish I could have that. And you're looking from the outside inwards and saying, but I'm not included. And then let's say one, one uh, family holiday, the family says, um, this time you're not going home. You're staying with us. There's an appreciation that takes place in your heart because now this has become yours. Everything that you've been um, experiencing, maybe from a distance, has now become yours personally. And in this space, Jesus is saying that you and I get to be part of Him. We get to be part of His body. You and I who were not good enough. You and I who were not looking for God. The Bible is very clear about that. It's not that we were searching for God and then we stumbled upon Him. It was God revealing Himself to us. It was God making Himself known to us. We were far off, separated from Him, but the blood of Jesus brought us near. Your good works didn't bring Jesus near. You weren't in a good space when Jesus found you. And I think as long as we think that our lives were good, but now we are just born again, you're missing it. Your life was not good because there was a spiritual death inside of you. Maybe the only thing that you had that made you think that your life was good was deception. And deception at the end of the line just gives you disappointment. It leaves you hopeless. And Paul says that all of us were without God, without hope in this world. So you and I get to be added to the body. You and me. So it does deal with our pride when we think, oh, my life wasn't that bad. I mean, you should see the other guy that Jesus saved. But some of you sit here tonight and you still don't feel worthy enough. And you need to hear tonight that God says, you have been added to my body. By my choice. You see, there's a name above all names. There's a truth above all truths. And his name is Jesus. And he says that you've been added to him. That you've been added to his body. And I pray that the Holy Spirit, if that's you, that the Holy Spirit will come and break a spirit of inferiority over your life. Where you deem yourself not good enough for the things of God. To be part of him. The second part is that you are added into the body. You are added into the body. Now, last week, Marielle had this explanation, and we'll, we'll recap quickly. Marielle, if I completely misery fail, it's okay. Um, so we spoke about this idea that our lives were full of sin, and we don't just add a little bit of Jesus here into our lives, and then ultimately we become clean. We empty our filthy cups onto the cross, and then we are placed alongside Christ, no, inside Christ, <laughs> I was testing you, you are, go in, okay, now you are inside Christ, so who Christ is, is now what has been imposed on you, that is incredible, there's a lot of other stuff that was imposed on you before Christ, but now Christ has been imposed on you, when the Father looks at you, He sees the fullness of His Son, and you now get to live from this fullness, which is Christ. 
So now here's the question. If you are in Christ and Jesus moves, what happens to you? You move. All right? If Jesus pauses, what happens to you? So where Jesus goes, you go. So here's the question then for us. Does Jesus, if we understand the concept of being in Christ, have the authority to direct your life? Because what is the alternative to being in Christ? It's being outside of Christ, and then Paul clearly tells us what's the alternative, that you were without God and with no hope in this world. That's the alternative. To be dead in your trespasses, that's the alternative. But when we are in Christ, Christ has a, um, an authoritative um, voice over your life, that His truth becomes your truth. So does Jesus have the authority to direct what you do in your relationships? Does Jesus have the authority to direct what you do with your finances? All right? <laughs> I have my renter crowd here in the front. Does Jesus have the authority... To direct how you spend your time. Does Jesus have the authority to direct how often you go on holiday? Hmm, I don't like that so much. <laughs> See, friends, we need to understand that if we are in Christ, we have surrendered control of our lives to the only one who was able to save us, to the only one who is worthy. Now, Ephesians 1, 22, 23. Now, Paul actually set this up for us right from the beginning. He says, and he, God, put all things under him, Jesus' feet. It should read his feet. Under him feet. That's proper grammar in English, uh, Richard. So he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, friends, we need to understand that Jesus is the head of the body. So when you are added into Christ, you are also added into His body. You cannot be severed from the head. You cannot be severed from the body. You cannot remove yourself from the body and still remain connected to the head. Now, most of you have a, uh, a general idea of biology, right? So here I am, a person. If my arm decides to detach itself from the body, is it still connected to the head? Not so much. No, it's very gross. <laughs> All right? So now, if Jesus is the head and the church is his body and you and I are added into the body because we are added into Jesus, right? When the church moves, ah, <laughs> You guys see where this is going. Now, let me give you another example. My mind, my head decides, hey, body, we're kind of thirsty right now because we've been talking a lot. So, it directs the rest of my body to approach the glass of water, interact with the glass of water, and then persuade the glass of water to enter my mouth. Something like that. So I've got my five fingers. They need to go around the cup and then actually be pulled towards the mouth so that I can drink the water. Who directs the fingers? The brain? 
How does the brain move the fingers? <laughs> Op je internet. Oh, it just happens. The fingers are connected to nervous systems that's connected to the rest of the body. We can go into deep um, biological analysis, guys, but we'll keep it simple for my sake. The fingers need to submit to the movement of the hand and the arm and the elbow and the shoulder. Because the head has made a decision to say we need water. So who's the head of the church? What is his purpose? Verse 10, that the manifold wisdom, this marvelous, incredible story from the beginning of time that is all about Jesus and God's plan to save the world, the story about Christ and his kingdom, that God's manifold wisdom will be made known through the church. So is God going somewhere? Is Jesus heading somewhere? Is the head Going somewhere. Does he have a plan and a purpose? And now he directs his, he directs his body. You see, friends, if we understand that we've been added to the body, that we've been added to Christ, and we collectively have surrendered to the head, which is Christ, whatever Jesus says, we all submit and head in that direction. Now, the Bible speaks about this, that you and I are added to the local church. Now, when you are born again, where's uh, Divan? Okay. Who's your pa? Who's your pa? Who's your dad? Nee, he's your pa. He's your dad. But he said God is his dad. <laughs> ah, <laughs> when kids are clever. <laughs> yeah, where's Christian? He will. <laughs> you see, he was born into that family. Imagine him coming to his dad. He's like, Dad, this has been a really cool 12 years. How old are you now? 10 years. But I've decided now to go to a different body. Um, doesn't work that way. So primarily, where you get born again, where you encounter Christ, that's your body. But many of us got born again maybe in different spaces. We've moved around. You've moved from a different city to this city. And now you need to pray to say, God, where have you added me? Now, I know that God has added me into this body. I know it. There's, there's no hesitation in my heart that God has added me to every nation. I remember in 2009, I wasn't even aware that I'm going to move to Pretoria yet. I was visiting every nation. There was still only one, one church. Um, and in the service, God said to me, this is your family. So I knew the next year when I moved to Pretoria, no debate, no prayer needed. I know where I need to be rooted. Have I had tensions in church? Yeah. Will I remove myself from church? No, because I didn't add myself. You see, and that's important, friends, that you need to know where God has rooted you, where He has added you. Because then when you submit to the head and He's placed you in a specific place in the body, then you cannot unadd yourself because then you are moving um, against the head which has added you. So you need to know where God has added you because when you know where God has added you, then you can fully submit with where the body is going. And yes, I do work for the church, but I didn't always work for this church. There was a space where I was also a student. And the direction of this body where God has added me directly influenced my relationships, the way I would manage my time, my finances, and even how I would plan my holidays because I needed to give up certain holidays so that I can go on mission 
with where God is sending us. And this is a big thing for us to sometimes grasp because we, the whole culture around us is a very independent culture. And then I'll go to the church when I, when I need it or I'll extend myself to be vulnerable when I need it. But when we understand that God has added us into Himself and hence, therefore, into His body, there is a submission that takes place because we are on mission. God has added us to something that has eternal significance and value. And then when you surrender yourself in that space, it does influence your life because you have given away your life. And I think we forget that. When I ask you, have you given away your life to follow Jesus? Have you surrendered your privilege and your rights to follow Jesus? It's easier for us to understand. But now we say, okay, have you surrendered your rights and your privileges to be part of the body? It's the same thing. You cannot be part of Christ and not be part of His body. So where the head directs the body, we go. Because we've been added to Christ. I know that that's just not, this is not the, the nicest topic necessarily. But I think when we understand it, there's, there's something that changes and happens in our lives. Because when you, re, when you discover Jesus, the natural response would be to give away more of yourself to have more of Him. But when we understand that the body belongs to the head, that the body belongs to Christ... The natural response should be, God, how can I participate more? How can I give away more of myself to participate more in you? And often the very thing that hinders us from being part of the body is not so much the mission statement of the church or the fact that you, are, um, you have to be a better steward of your finances or that you sometimes have to sacrifice going away a lot because you actually need to be part of the gathering of the saints. It's because we don't always want to be vulnerable. We don't always want to share our hearts with people around us. We don't always want to allow people in, but then we remain hurting. You see, if you put an eye in a test tube, is it still an eye? Is it very healthy? No. Does it have a specific function? No. You were designed by Jesus to be part of the body. And often what we do in challenging seasons in our life, when we go through difficult times personally, when you're maybe going through an extended study period or you've just had a baby, often we say, oh, I'm just in a busy season of my life and for the next season, I'm just going to take a step back from church. Well, good luck, I. <laughs> you'll die. Friends, you'll die. Yes, your commitment levels might change, your participation levels might change, but if you remove yourself from the body, you need to understand that you're removing yourself from the head, which is Christ. And apart from Christ, you will suffer, you will die. You cannot live apart from Jesus who adds you to his body. I think in this season of COVID, a lot of things have been great when it comes to church and online church. Some of you are thankful that when we weren't allowed to gather in person, we could gather online. Okay, me too. All right. Um, there were definitely times when I became very comfortable with church online because some of the stuff was pre-recorded and then we would go running and then literally as the countdown started at home, you would still be making coffee. So the, I remember that first week when we had to come back to in-person services, I had to train myself again to be here at three o'clock. But we're thankful for what technology offers us. And maybe you're away for a weekend because you're working remotely or you're just away. You can stay connected to church. 
Maybe God sends you to a remote area where there is no healthy body. You can stay connected. Maybe you're going just, maybe you're sick. You're physically sick um, and you're vulnerable and this gives you an opportunity to be part of the body. But there is a space where you are, when you are healthy, that you do not neglect the gathering of the saints, as the writer of Hebrews says. Why? And I think we experienced some of that during worship tonight, that there's a ministry unto God that you cannot do from your couch. A way that you get to minister to God, but also how God ministers to you. There's a ministry unto each other where we get to encourage and pray for one another. We get to lift one another up that you cannot do from your couch. And there's a ministry that belongs to the church, to the body of Jesus, to minister to those who do not know Jesus that you cannot do from your couch. God has called us to be part of His body. So last week, Marielle also spoke about how this signifies baptism, all right, water baptism. So we're baptized into Christ, a sign of the dependency on Jesus, because apart from Him, you can do nothing. But baptism is also a sign of interdependence with the body, because God has added us together. And the last one, you are added to the body. And this is what we'll focus on. So I'm not going to go into detail tonight. This is what we'll focus on from chapter 4, 5, and 6 as well. That God has added us to the body, friends. And in this, it's His purpose that the manifold wisdom of God will be made known to the rulers and principalities of the heavenly realms. That the wisdom of God, the revelation of the gospel will be made known to the spiritual realm through the church. You see, in this incredible story in the book of Ephesians, God speaks about your identity. He speaks about who you are. He redeems your true worth, your true value, but He also adds you into the most significant purpose that you could ever give your life to, the glory of God, into eternity. You're not an outsider. You're not an outcast. You're not an orphan. You're not a loner. Does God have a plan, Does God have a plan for your life? Does God have a plan for your life? Does God have a plan for your life? In the body, yes. He doesn't have plans for individual fingers and eyes and ears. He has a plan with His body. And unless you and I surrender to be part of the body of Christ through whom God wants to make the manifold wisdom of God known, you will always find an area of your life lacking. You'll see when we go into chapter 4, 5, and 6, there's a growth, a maturity that can only take place when you are added to the body. There's a ministry to the world and in our relationships with one another that can only take place when you're part of the body. And there's a spiritual battle, a war raging around us right now that you can only truly participate in when you're part of the body. I'm going to ask the band to come up again. Um, and then we're going to have a time of communion tonight. Now, when we think about communion, so Paul wrote this in Ephesians 2, and he said, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. See, friends, when we participate in communion, there's the breaking of bread and the drinking of the wine, which signifies the, the blood of Christ. We don't have real wine. Um, if you really know how to pray, how to turn juice into wine, come and speak to me afterwards. But when we break bread, when we participate in communion, we are admitting to ourselves 
that we belong to Christ. When you break that bread, you're admitting to yourself that Jesus' body was broken for you. When you drink of that wine or the juice, you're admitting to yourself, you're reminding yourself, you're testifying again to yourself that the blood of Christ has washed me clean. And I partake of who Christ is because I belong to Him. And because I belong to Him, I belong to His body. So I want us to get up, <laughs> and get communion, and then come back. as you are making your way just to your seat I want to give you an invitation tonight that if if you're not sure that you belong to Christ that you've surrendered your life to Jesus that you've made a decision to be in Christ to surrender your life to Christ I want you to come to the front here at the where's Richard? at the front to the right to my right and I want you to pray with someone even if you think you are, but you're just not sure tonight, then I want you to become sure. See, friends, taking part of communion is not just a church ritual. It's not just something that we put in the calendar. We do put it in the calendar, otherwise we forget. But it's not something we just do because we put it in the calendar. It's a way of reminding ourselves that we've surrendered our lives to Christ. But when you partake of communion, but you've not surrendered your life to Christ, then this body doesn't belong to you body of Jesus is they're not yours to take part in unless you've surrendered and submitted yourself into him unto him we're called to be in Christ so I do want to invite you if if you're not sure and friends this is definitely not a place where we feel ashamed um, this is not a place where you think oh what will people think everybody thought I'm saved now I'm not sure if I'm saved doesn't matter it really, 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 really doesn't matter. All that matters is that you now hear the voice of God speaking into your heart and you respond to Him because that's the only voice that matters right now. Is that you respond to the one who loves, loves you most. That you give in to the one who is unctioning you into Himself. I want to read for us an exhortation at the end of chapter 3. 
pray. I was going to share a word. And then I want us to partake in communion together. And maybe God has spoken to you about one thing throughout tonight. Then I want you to share with someone. So um, let's say God has spoken to you about what it means to not just be in Him, but also be part of His body. And something in that has challenged you. I want you then to pray what God is speaking to you with someone. To communicate that verbally. Say, God, tonight I acknowledge that you have called me not just to be in you, but to be in your body. And then whatever else God is saying to you. But I want us to respond. I want us to respond to what the Holy Spirit is doing. So I'll read the, the scripture and then Mariel will come and share. So just open your hearts from verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, of our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, and the depth and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. To Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Yaku. Um, I know that sometimes when we speak about church, um, church involves people, right? And just as we see the manifold wisdom of God, we see a manifold of different personalities in church and different people. And sometimes we get hurt. Sometimes people hurt us and we hurt each other or we offend each other. And there are many things that we don't always 100% agree on. But when we are in Christ, we don't have the luxury of choosing not to forgive one another or of choosing to keep that offense and saying, I don't want to be a part of the body anymore because the leg kicked me and now I'm angry at the leg, so I'm just going to get out of the body and go be by myself. We need to forgive. We need to allow God's grace and God's healing to come into our hearts and come into our lives and to let go. And I'm sorry for what people has done to you or what the church has done to you. But we need to have faith in Christ and we need to have faith in Christ in us, in each other. And say, I'm going to love you even though sometimes you irritate me and sometimes I don't agree with you. I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit in you. And so I don't know what your background is. I don't know where you are at, but I just felt to share if there's someone that you need to forgive, if there's someone that you maybe need to Um, have communion with or even before you have communion to just maybe forgive even if it was maybe uh, some other church or church leader or whatever I don't know what happened maybe it was just a person it didn't necessarily even happen in church but because of that hurt maybe it was a family member because of that hurt you have closed yourself off to relationships with all people and I want to encourage you to forgive I want to encourage you to to literally speak them free tonight 
and just trust God to bring healing because He has greater plans for you and His plans are within His body. So as we take communion now, ask God to just reveal if there's anyone or any, anything that has happened that you need to forgive and let go of.